Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Where are they? Oh, here they are. <laughs> Me and my babies. By babies, I mean baby giraffes. They, they are six foot two-ish. Uh, but these are uh, my credibility today. <laughs> if I have any cred to speak to you on the topic of mothering, these guys are it. I love them to bits. And for the next 15 minutes or so, I'm just going to take the opportunity to share with you, out of God's Word, out of the Bible, a few topics, on, a few thoughts around the idea of, of mothering. And I just wonder if you could give me a wave if you've ever heard of the Bible character Moses. <laughs> That's like just about 100%. You're like, duh. <laughs> but I figure most people have heard of Moses, right? Even if you're not church, even if you kind of don't consider yourself religious in any way, shape or form, you've probably heard about this guy from the Bible called Moses. He was the guy that God raised up to be the deliverer of his people, Israel. So Israel was enslaved in Egypt and And Moses was the guy that actually God used to set them free. They've made movies about the life of Moses. You know, as far as biblical characters go, Moses is a bit of an A-lister. You know, he's right up there. But who you don't hear much about is Moses' mum. Moses' mum is a lady by the name of Jochebed. Everyone say Jochebed. I spent a lot of time learning how to pronounce that this weekend because there is contention. Uh, But no, Jochebed is who I want to speak to you uh, about today. And we read the story of Jochebed in the book of Exodus chapter 2. When we drop into Exodus chapter 2, we find, as I said before, God's people Israel had been enslaved for centuries under Egyptian rule. And it was in the context of slavery that Israel as a people group had greatly multiplied. In the time of the patriarchs, we see Israel only numbered 70-odd people. But across these centuries of slavery in Egypt, they multiplied to around the time of Moses. Moses' birth, they approximate that they were around 2 million people. And this rapid escalation in population had the Egyptian pharaoh freaking out. He like, this Israel people group is becoming way too numerous. They may overthrow us. They may revolt. They may become too powerful for us. So he made a decree The Pharaoh made a decree that every male Hebrew baby was to be killed at birth or shortly after birth. And that was his twisted way of controlling this population. It was heinous. But it was into this context of slavery and this death threat that Jochebed raised her young family. We understand her to be a mother of three. She had Miriam, she had Aaron, and of course she had Moses. And we pick up her story in verse 2 of Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to read a few verses together today. And it says, verse 2, And she, Jochebed, became pregnant and gave birth to a son. That was Moses. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Can you imagine trying to hide a newborn baby? See, I heard one just then. (laughs) Can you, like, 
Can you imagine having a death threat hovering over your newborn? Can you imagine the terror she would have felt? The, the fear and the stress and the anxiety just if this baby did normal baby things like cry or whatever. It would have been heinous. And yet this was Jochebed's reality. And we keep on reading. It says, then she placed this child in the basket and she put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister, that's Miriam, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. This is no harebrained plot. I think growing up in Sunday school, I just imagined that Moses was just thrown into the middle of the river and floating away, you know, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Good luck to you, you know. That's not what happened, you know. Jochebed was so intentional about protecting his life. She stationed his big sister Miriam to keep watch of baby Moses, you know. Miriam was the baby security system. They didn't have video monitors back in the day. She she watched diligently over her little brother. And we pick the story up in verse 5 and it said that Pharaoh's daughter, so this is the Egyptian princess, you understand. Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and she saw the baby, he was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, Miriam, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yeah, go, great idea, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Genius. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Jochebed, here, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. (laughs) So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him uh, to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. Can you imagine that moment, having to release your son into the hands of another woman to be raised by her? She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Jochebed is some woman. She is an incredible woman, a woman from the Bible that we celebrate. Here she is. She's managed to protect her son. She's managed to utilize her daughter in the, in, in the whole plan. She has managed to almost manipulate the Egyptian princess. And here she is getting paid to breastfeed her own baby. Woman, give me a wave if you've ever been paid to breastfeed your own baby. I thought not. All we got was a bad case of mastitis. <laughs> it's Mother's Day and I've got the mic. <laughs> what a woman. I mean, what a woman. <laughs> this is, it's actually a miracle story. When you step back on this story, it's actually a miracle story. Because of this woman's courage, the threat of death now no longer looms over her child, over her family. And Jochebed got to raise her own son in safety. That was a miracle. Like Pharaoh's decree to kill all the male Hebrew babies in this instance got reversed. And now it's almost like there was a new decree. Jochebed, you better look after him. You better care for him and so on and so forth. And, and scholars believe 
that Jochebed did not waste one single moment of that time that she had with her son Moses, that as she nursed him, she would have actually prayed for him. As she cared for him and nurtured him, she would have actually taught him and imparted to him. We understand from reading scripture that Moses, the man... As he grew, you know, don't, children don't stay children, amen. As he grew and became a man, we understand that he had a deep love for God and he had a strong affiliation and connection with Hebrew culture. He knew the God of his fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Where do you think all that knowledge came from? It did not come from the courts of an Egyptian pharaoh. Every scholar will tell us that that knowledge in Moses came straight from his mum. Came straight from his mum. Jochebed, such an inspiring mum. And I've actually called this little message today, I've called it the lengths of love. The lengths of love. Because we see in the actions of this Hebrew mum, that her love went to such great lengths for her son, such great lengths for her family. And don't we understand this to be true of mums? Mums in general, their love for us goes to great lengths when others might give up, when others might give in. It's like the love of a mother does not. Who's the one keeping the bedside vigil? Who's the one staying up at night? Who's the one never giving up, never giving in, always praying, always believing? The lengths of a mother's love are widely known to be the greatest type of love on the face of the earth, are they not? And what especially strikes me about Jochebed's situation was the amount of difficulty that surrounded her context. Like she had so many things going on that were challenging and hard and adverse. And as much as we celebrate her now, the whole process that she lived through, I believe would have been pretty brutal. Because that world that she raised her young family in was a very cruel world. It was a very cruel context. And I don't think it would have been the kind of world she would have chosen for her family. I don't think it would have been the kind of story that she would have wanted if she had I've had a choice. And yet, in spite of all these challenges, we still see the great lengths of her love. And I just see these parallels between what Jochebed faced and sometimes what we faced, obviously not in the death threat part or the putting your baby in a papyrus basket part. (laughs) But nonetheless, there are parallels. There's parallels her story to our story because isn't it true that in family life, sometimes we all face things that are not ideal. Sometimes we all face challenges, we all face difficulties and things that happen in our mothering, happen in our parenting that don't go according to plan. They don't fit the script. You know, this wasn't what I imagined when I signed up for parenthood. This wasn't what I had in my mind. It's not the narrative I had concocted before time, you know. This isn't really going according to plan. Can anyone relate? (laughs) For my family... One of those moments, no doubt, was having to come to terms with the diagnosis of disability in our second son. This was not ideal. You know, this was not part of the 
parenting journey that we had imagined for ourselves or, or seen for ourselves. But I know we all have our stuff because that's life. That's real life. You know, maybe for you here today, it's the challenge of a child that just refuses to sleep. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. You know, maybe it's behavioral issues in your children that you're struggling to know how to manage Maybe it's as your child's growing, you know that they're not fulfilling their potential. Maybe you're looking at young adult children and they're not really living the life that you know is their best life for them. Maybe there's rebellion in your family or waywardness or whatever. Maybe someone does have a diagnosis, a health difficulty or a mental health difficulty. Maybe they struggle socially. Maybe they just can't connect. Maybe things are going on in the relationships, in the marriage, in the, you know, breakups and estrangements and all these types of things. There is a whole raft of reasons or, or things that might happen to us that are far from perfect, that are far from what we would say is an ideal situation. And yet what I see in mums is that they still love. Their love goes to great lengths. In spite of all that is hard, in spite of everything that is not right, they're still showing up. They're still present. They're still putting one foot in front of the other and doing their best for their family. And that's exactly what Jochebed did in this story. Her love wasn't about to quit just because it was hard. In fact, we see a love in this mom that was brave and it was creative and it was a love that was stronger than fear. She would have felt afraid, but her love was stronger than fear and it kept on in faith to instill into that little guy Moses a faith that lasted him his entire lifetime. But here's the question. I wonder if Jochebed ever felt within herself that it wasn't enough. I wonder if she, as a woman, ever felt like she wasn't enough. It's very easy for us sitting here today to kind of want to pat her on the back and say, don't worry, Jochebed, everything's going to be fine. You're going to raise a world, change her. She didn't know. She didn't know the end of her story. She lived that thing out in real time. And when she handed her son Moses off to be raised by this Egyptian princess, I wonder if she second-guessed herself. I wonder if she tried to undermine or undersell all her efforts and, and what she had done. Because what I see in mums is this propensity to think that we're not enough. You know, to think that our love isn't good enough or, or we're not doing enough, we're not being Enough. I think sometimes we can look at the non-ideal circumstances of our lives and somehow want to internalize them. We think that if we would be better, if we could be better, that it would be better, that we should be making it all better, that somehow it's a reflection of us and I should be able to do something about this and... Of course, it's good to take responsibility for, for growth and for wholeness and all those sorts of things. But I think even beyond that, sometimes an internal pressure to pursue perfection, to chase down perfection, either consciously or subconsciously, it gets to us all. 
Am I talking to someone? Does anybody relate here today? And in that, I think we can completely undermine the lengths of our love. We can completely undersell ourselves and who we are to our family because sometimes as much as we love, it doesn't quite seem like enough. There's a couple of things I want to draw out of this story of of Jochebed. And the first thing that I want you to see out of this story when we consider who she is and what she did, one thing becomes plainly obvious that God does not need perfection in order to show up and do his work. Can I have a loud amen? God doesn't require perfection to show up and do his work. We see throughout the entire story, God in his sovereignty overshadowed everything. God in his awesomeness, he covered the lot, even the messed up, even the non-ideal, even that society that was heinous, that was cruel. God was there and he was there. He protected Moses. He made a way when there was no way. He raised that son to become all he was destined and called to become. And what Jochebed wasn't able to do, God did. Where she couldn't, he could. Where she wasn't able, God was able. And I want to say the encouragement for you today, mum, is God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He does not need perfection in order to show up in your family and do his work to work wonders out of your life and story. He's still in the business of protecting. Do I have an amen? He's still in the business of making a way where there is no way, of raising sons and raising daughters. As much as they're your sons and daughters, they're also his sons and daughters. Amen. He can work in your messy. He does work in your messy. He works in the non-ideal. Just like he overshadowed Jochebed and Moses, put your faith in him that he is actually overshadowing you and overshadowing your family and your children. I remember with my second son, Isaiah, when he was going through that whole diagnostic process He was finally correctly diagnosed at age six uh, with a rare genetic syndrome. But prior to that, the medical professionals scrapped to try and place the most appropriate label on him. For a time, he was labelled global developmental delay. For a time, he was labelled mild cerebral palsy. And they tested him for this and they tested him for that. And it was years long, I guess, diagnostic sort of process and journey that we went on the whole time I wasn't working not paid working nobody paid me 10 bucks (laughs) you didn't pay me 10 bucks (laughs) I want my 10 bucks (laughs) but um you know (laughs) back to the story back to the story but I was obviously you know full-time mumming and I felt like a full-time 
early intervention therapist coordinator. You know, that's what I felt like every week of Isaiah's life. It was just appointment after appointment, sometimes three, four, five in a week. We'd go to this professional, we'd go to this appointment, that therapy, this course, that workshop, on and on. It went, but I felt like it was never enough. I felt like I wasn't doing enough for my son or like this gnawing fear that maybe I wasn't doing the right thing. Like I was doing a lot, but maybe it wasn't right. Maybe I was missing the mark. The problem maybe was me. And you've got to understand, my professional background was as a speech pathologist. Like, ironically, I, I had worked in the field of pediatric disabilities. I supposedly knew this stuff. You know, I was the so-called expert in this whole realm. My whole professional framework had been treatment plans and measurable outcomes and so on and so forth. But I was frustrated. Why wasn't I seeing the outcomes that I wanted to see with my son? Like, why wasn't I seeing the progress that my heart so desired? I had such a sense of failing. Not only that, I was completely exhausted. Turning myself inside out, doing this, doing that, trying to make it all better. And one day, I had an epiphany. I just had a a wake-up moment. I don't know if it was the voice of God or just the the voice of wisdom. Maybe a bit of both, I don't know. But I just heard this inner voice. Chris, Isaiah is not a problem to fix. Isaiah is not an outcome to be measured. He's your child to love. I just love him. Love him well. Love him fiercely. Love him, you know, love him with everything that you've got. And it might not seem like much, but I tell you, that moment changed me. That moment actually changed so much from me. It released me from the pursuit of perfection. That moment released me from having to get everything right all of the time. It released me from never being able to make a mistake. That moment actually allowed me to rest. It actually brought peace, even into the confusing, even into the challenge, even into the non-ideal. It was like I was doing my best and I just had to trust God with the rest. I was kind of like Jochebed. I was showing up for my son, but there was an acknowledgement that there are things outside of my control. There are some things that I just can't get a handle on. And in guess in that moment, I just in faith let him go. In faith, I release them into the hands of God. And I know our story's not over yet. And things aren't, you know, perfect or whatever. But I know with all of my heart, my heart knows right now that the things I can't do, God can do. And in the places that I am not enough, and they come frequently and sometimes they come thick and fast. In those places, I am not enough. I serve a God who is more than enough. He is more than enough. I didn't even know they were singing that Jairus song this morning. More than enough. He is more than enough. And our testimony has been that God has overshadowed the whole thing. The old thing, he's still in the business of protecting. He's still in the business of making a way. And he has done that for our family, working his wonders in our life and through our story. Amen. I know he wants to do the same for you too. And I ask Ian to come back and 
join us on the keys. You know, we talk about the lengths of a mother's love. The truth is, even the lengths of a mother's love are just completely eclipsed by the lengths of God's love. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, he talks about the lengths of God's love. In fact, it's not just the lengths that he talks about, but he talks about the infinite dimensions of the love of God. And we're going to read out of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 and it says, I pray that you being rooted and established in this love, in God's love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and grasp how long and grasp how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, to know it. Paul's praying, I pray that you would know it. The love that even surpasses knowledge. Isn't that beautiful? To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Mom's here today. I don't believe that we can ever fully comprehend the lengths of God's love. I don't believe that we will ever fully know, our minds can't fully know all the dimensions of it. And this love is not just for our families. It's not just for others. It's not just for someone down the street. It's not just for the righteous person. It is for you. It is for you. It is for me and it is for you. And Paul says of this love, this God love, that it's long and it's wide and it's high and it's deep. You know, it's long enough to last the situation you might find yourself in. It's long enough to find, to last the difficulty. It's wide enough to reach. Wide enough to reach that child that's not walking with the Lord. Wide enough to reach that wayward one. Wide enough to reach that person you've been estranged from for so long. It's deep enough to cover. Deep enough to cover every failure. Every time you feel you've fallen short, every mistake, it's deep enough and it's high enough to lift us to be the better and better and better version of ourselves that He is calling us to be God's love. Even when the lengths of your love don't seem long enough, the lengths of God's love can never be exhausted. Amen. Amen. They'll never run out. So my encouragement to every single one of us this morning, this Mother's Day is simply this, to just look to Jesus again. Look to His love again. Don't get caught up. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in the pursuit of perfection, to control it all, to fix it all, to make it all better. The truth is perfection doesn't exist. Perfection outside of God is a myth. It's unattainable. It's not reality. Instead, why don't you give yourself, mum, afresh to the pursuit of the perfect one, the perfect one who is our God. Whenever you find that you can't, remember that He can. He's the great I am. It's the way He revealed Himself to Moses as the great 
I am and the great I am can. You might be unable, but He is always able. Amen. Keep on loving your family. It matters. It is enough. Keep on showing up for them. Don't quit. Keep on putting one foot in front of the other and you will find that absolutely nothing can overwhelm the lengths of His love. Amen. Amen. So good. I'm done preaching here today and before the end of the service, as I said, we're going to pray over every single mum. But I just want to change tack for just a moment because there's something that we would love to do in every single nation's church service that we ever run is we want to give people an opportunity to connect, not just with people, not just with other people, but more importantly, to connect with the love of God. There might be some people here and you're not a Christian or you haven't considered yourself a Christian for a really long time. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but you don't have any personal expression within your own heart any personal semblance of a relationship with God. I'm not standing here talking about a religious experience. Ain't nobody got time for religion, says the pastor. (laughs) I don't want religion. I want relationship. And, And thanks be to God, that is what I have, a real and living relationship with God. And you can have one too. This is what you need to know. The lengths of God's love reach you wherever you are at, however far you might have run, the lengths of God's love reach you. You are not the first person in all of humanity to be outside of the reach of God's love. I promise you, the lengths of God's love reach you. And God's love isn't just conceptual or theoretical, ethereal, cosmic. It's, it's, it's not like that. It's intimate. And it's personal and it's real and it has been demonstrated. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. It's a demonstration of God's love. He said these humans, <laughs> they, need, they need help. They're not capable of saving themselves. They need a saviour. We can't rescue ourselves from our own mistakes, from our own failings. That's why Jesus came, the perfect Son of God who died and rose again so that anybody who puts their faith in Jesus can know the lengths of His love, can know the embrace of His love and can enter into this precious relationship. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.